I'm glad I belong to a king who calls me his own. Somebody is small and undeserving as I am, but he calls me his own. That's as Madison said, we don't understand it. We we can't comprehend it, but we believe it. Before we get started, I, um, if you have any doubt the influence you have on my family, I woke up this morning and Michelle had me a birthday gift, and I opened it up and there was a pair of orange socks. And I thought, what in the world? But they do have Smokey on them, and I sort of like Smokey, so I decided to put them on. But, uh, but I appreciate all the birthday um, offerings and thanks, and, and uh, there's no place I'd rather be celebrating uh, our birth and here with you people, and, and I've grown to love you over the years, and, and I know that you love me, and that's something that we can feel, and, and from the bottom of our heart, looking forward to another year here at Lafayette, and I appreciate your confidence in me to vote us back in, and and uh, anyway, it's just good to be in the house of the Lord with you one more time. Uh, you know, there's going to come a day when, uh, I don't know about you, but I love being around God's people and God's house and God's presence. And There's come a day, going to come a day where we won't have to depart, where we're just going to be, it's going to be one long day and we'll be there forever and ever as the ages just roll on and on and on. Uh, what a day that's going to be. When my Jesus I shall see. Um, listened to a man of God on the way down this morning and, and he was talking about those mansions and and uh, I don't know what it's going to look like. Some people say that translates into rooms and some place, some people think actual mansions. I, the only thing that I'm concerned about is he says that you shall be with me where I am. And that's good enough for me. Uh, whatever abode he has, but I do know this, it's never, ever, ever entered into our heart what He's got in store for us that love Him. And the Bible does say at His appearing we shall receive a crown that fadeth not away. That's what Paul said. He said, there is now reserved for me a crown. He said, not for me only, but also all of them that love His appearing. And so I love Him this morning. Uh, as we got together Wednesday night, uh, Sister Kim um, uh, I'm, not, I'm not familiar with, with the park over here, but apparently there's a cross uh, there. And she was given a lesson and she told me what they were going to do and it was an outstanding thought and an outstanding lesson. Uh, but she turned around just as she was leaving with the, with the youth and she said, Sam, if anybody comes in late, walk them to the cross. And I thought, boy, that would preach, wouldn't it? Just walk them to the cross. And so today I want to try to walk you to the cross, so to speak. Uh, but we're going to read out of the Old Testament. Uh, if you want to turn two places, the book of Judges, the book of Judges, uh, chapter chapter 20. Uh, but before that, I guess we'll start in Numbers, chapter 22. Um, both of them are, are kind of familiar, I guess, or at least one of them. Um, Michelle said she was asking her, her and Tanya's Sunday school class the other day, or maybe it was during vacation Bible school, if they'd ever heard the story of the talking donkey. And uh, it's amazing what's in the Word of God. If you've never read it, it's, uh, it's a book that, that, uh, that if any other author had written it besides the Lord, you just wouldn't believe it. Um, but as, 
as the disciples on the Emmaus road says, did not our hearts burn while he opened unto us the scriptures? I have no doubt that this is the word of God because as we read it, our heart begins to burn. And it becomes alive. And the words written on those pages, I know without a doubt, were written by the Holy Ghost as He moved upon men and told them what to write. And what a source of comfort and joy they've been. Um, I'm 45 today and for probably 30 years or more, uh, I've found comfort in the Word of God and comfort in the Scriptures. And been trying to preach nearly 25, be 25 years in February and uh, and... and and relatively speaking, very few, very few have uh, have have got saved. I guess if you want to look at it that way, under my ministry. But that's all right. Um, my job isn't to save, but it's to preach. And so, when the Lord called us, uh, that's what He called me to do—not to save a man, but just. And I've told you this before. There were three words that entered into my heart over and over and over, and it was just preach the gospel. That's all it was. That was my whole call. Just preach the gospel. And when God uttered those words to me, it scared me to death. And over the course of the next few weeks, I really began to try and pray and, and really began to try to get a hold of God and tell Him, you know, Moses did that and, and a lot of men have done that. And and uh, said, Lord, I can't do this. I'm not of an eloquent speech. We were talking in Sunday school about a man by the name of Apollos. He was a well-educated man, very eloquent in his speech. That's not me. I'm not very well-educated. I'm not very eloquent. Uh, but nevertheless, we're still going to try 25 years later to preach the gospel. In Judges chapter 20, I do desire your prayers. Please, please uh, pray for me. I'm sorry, Numbers, where we're going to go first. I said Numbers 22. Uh, please uh, pray for me. And Numbers chapter 22, and starting with verse 22, it says, And God's anger was kindled because He went. And the angel of the Lord stood in the way for an adversary against him, now he was riding upon his ass, and his two servants were with him. And the ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. Now picture that. The ass saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand. By the way, I don't think this was any angel. I think it was our Lord and Savior. And, uh, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Uh, his sword drawn in his hand, and the ass turned aside out of the way and went into the field. And Balaam smote the ass to turn her into the way. But the angel of the Lord stood in the path of the vineyards, a wall being on this side and a wall on that side. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she thrust herself under the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall, and he smote her again. And the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn, either to the right hand or to the left. And when the ass saw the angel of the Lord, she fell down under Balaam, and Balaam's anger was kindled, and he smote the ass with a staff. And the Lord opened the mouth of the ass, and she said unto Balaam, What have I done unto thee that thou hast smitten me these three times? And Balaam said unto the ass, Because thou hast mocked me, I would there were a sword in mine hand, for now I would kill thee. And the ass said unto Balaam, Am I not thine ass, upon which thou hast ridden ever since I was thine unto this day? Was I ever wont to do so unto thee? And he said, Nay. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way, and his sword drawn in his hand, and he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. 
The angel didn't stop him from bowing. Angels in another place stop you from bowing down to them. Then the angel of the Lord said unto him, Wherefore hast thou smitten thine ass these three times? Behold, I went out to withstand thee, because thy way is perverse before me. And the ass saw me and turned me from these three times. Uh, Unless ye had turned from me, surely now also I had slain thee and saved her alive. And Balaam said unto the angel of the Lord, I have sinned, for I knew not that thou stoodest in the way against me. Now therefore, if it displeased thee, I will get me back again. And the angel of the Lord said unto Balaam, Go with the men, but only the word that I shall speak unto thee. That's why I don't think it was just an angel. He said, The words that I speak unto thee, that shalt thou speak. So Balaam went with the princes of Balak. And turn with me now to Judges chapter 20. And I'm just going to read one verse there. In Judges chapter 20 and verse 34. Judges chapter 20 and verse 34. And there came out, and there came against Gibeah 10,000 chosen men out of all Israel, and the battle was sore, but they knew not that evil was near them. I want to call to your attention. What I just read in that one verse in the 20th chapter of Judges because that's where our thought is going to come from. And our thought is trouble is close or trouble is near. Um, now by way of introduction in this book of Judges, there was, a, there was a man, if you read in the 19th chapter and the 20th, there was a man who went out and he had a concubine. He was married and had married to this concubine and she left him. The Bible says she played the harlot, and she ran off to her daddy's, her father's house. And, and about four months had went by, and this man, um, he went out to get his wife. He went out to get his bride and to bring her back home. And he, he found her at her father's house, and, and he got acquainted, met his father-in-law, and they met. And, uh, and for a period of days, the, uh, the father-in-law uh, uh, urged the man to stay. And every time the man would start to take his bride and go, uh, her dad would uh, would encourage him to stay just a little while longer. And so for a period of days that began to work. Uh, but there came a day that he said, I've got to take my leave. And the dad-in-law said, would you stay just one more night? And it was toward the evening then. And the man said, I can't stay any further or any longer. Uh, so he grabbed his wife and his servants and they went out. And the Bible says as they began to travel... Uh, they came up to, it wasn't Jerusalem at that time, but that's the town they came to. And at that time it wasn't part of Israel. And uh, it was Jebus, I think is the name that it was called then. But at any rate, he said, let's not spend the night here. Uh, let's go on until we come to the land of Israel. And once we come into the land of Israel, I'll feel safe enough, and I'm paraphrasing, I'll feel safe enough to stay amongst our own people. Uh, so they came to the uh, land that belonged to the tribe of Benjamin. And the Bible said no man received them into his house. Uh, and so they sat there in the street. And as they were sitting in the street, an old man came by and he found this man and his wife uh, and his servants. And, and he asked him what he was doing. And he said, Thy servant is just a, a passing through to get back to our place. Uh, and the man urged him and he said, Why don't you come in? 
and come into my house. And, and the man said, I appreciate that. And I'm still paraphrasing. He said, you won't be out anything. I've got food and we've got wine. Uh, we've got food for our, for our uh, donkeys. Or, uh, and he said, you won't be out anything. And, uh, and the man went to his home. And he went in and as they began to lodge there, the men of that city uh, came and knocked upon the man's door. And they said, bring out the man that's come into you. Uh, much like they did in the land of Sodom and in the land of Gomorrah, how uh, these men were evil. Uh, you see, evil is here about us, whether we realize it or not. And, uh, and he thought he was going to be pretty well safe among his own people in his own land. Uh, but these men surrounded the house uh, and they said, we uh, bring that man out that we may know him. They were going to rape him and, and probably kill him. And, and the man said, do not so wickedly. And so the man gave him his concubine, gave him his bride. And you can argue and, and say he shouldn't have done that. I'm not here to debate that point. But I'd say you're probably right. He shouldn't have done that. Uh, but in any case, he did. And he turned out his, his, his concubine, he turned out his bride uh, unto these men. And the Bible said they abused her and raped her all night long. And, uh, and all night long she endured the torture and the shame and the rape and the forcing and the beating. And the Bible says as the day began to dawn, all night, uh, she stood out there and was out there with the men of the city. And as the day began to dawn, she came back and she got to the threshold of the door. And she fell down and she died right there on the doorstep. And the next day the man went out the door and he found his wife there. And he didn't know she was dead. And he said, get up, let us be going our way. And it said she didn't move. And he realized she was dead. So he loaded her up. He took her to his house. And here's where it gets up. If it's not strange already, here's what he did. He, he took a knife. And you might say, preacher, you oughtn't to... Say stuff like that. I'm just preaching what the Bible says. He took a knife and he divided her body. And he sent it, he divided it into twelve pieces. And he sent a piece to each tribe of the land of Israel. And in other words, he was saying, Look, look at what one of us, one of our own, has done to my bride. And the Bible said those men had gathered together. I'm telling you, if we had any sense about us today, as we see the evil that's in our own country, the church of the living God would band together and stand against it. But we've not done that. Uh, we remain, we remain divided and separate. Uh, but this man wanted all of Israel to come united and to come as one. I would say nothing would please God more uh, than if His people uh, would come in one mind and in one accord, uh, realizing the evil that is about us day by day. And the, these men came and, and it stirred them up and, and they came and they said, let's go over into this land and, and let us confront these men. And the Bible said about 400,000 had chosen men with swords went out and they went into the land of Gabeah and to the land of Benjamin and they confronted those men. And, uh, and as they confronted those men, uh, the Bible said they went out by lots uh, against the children of Benjamin. And it was about 400,000 on Israel's side. And poor old Benjamin just had about 26,000 that could fight. 
I think it was 26,700. So the men thought within themselves that it ought to be an decisive victory. And they went out and they fought with Benjamin. And the Bible says that Benjamin smote that day at 20,000 people. And Israel run back and they had been defeated. And they went back and they cried unto God. And they cried unto God and they went out again the next day. And the next day those 26,700 killed 18 more thousand, 18,000 more of the children of Israel. And they went back, so they were down in their number about 40,000 men. And they went and they cried, the Bible said. And they wept and they cried. And they brought the case before the Lord. And the Lord said, go out tomorrow. Tomorrow I shall deliver them into your hand. But they had an idea. They said, why don't we, instead of confronting them in the valleys, why don't we draw them out? Draw them out into the highways. And the Bible said they sent companies and they sent guards. And so the plan was, excuse me, Israel was going to draw Benjamin out, was going to draw him out of the city and into the highways. And little did Benjamin know that there was another band of men that had circled around the backside and was starting to come up. They were going to entrap them. And the men of Israel fled. And the Bible said to draw them out. And Benjamin, awfully sure of himself, and awfully sure of their self, I said the men are fleeing like they have at other times. And they went in pursuit of these men. And the Bible says as they were in pursuit of Israel, that behold, they turned about them. It said they did not know that evil was near. And that's where I want to get my thought. They knew not that evil was near. They were so confident in their abilities. Lost sinner today, you may be so confident in your abilities. You may be so confident in your works. You may be so confident in your good deeds. You may be so confident in your religion. You may be so confident. But I would say to you today, you might not realize it, but evil is near you. And danger lies near you. Now these men had no idea. But as they were chasing Israel, the Bible says that they turned back and their city was on fire behind them. Then they finally realized too late we're in some trouble here. And they were surrounded on every side. And my friends, there's going to come a day that God help you that you would realize that before the day draws that it's too late. And that there's going to be trouble to surround you. And in that day, if you put off salvation, as it's been mentioned already this morning, if you put it off and put it off and put it off, my friend, that day will take you unaware. The day of your death will come upon you. As Brother Dave made mention, uh, things can happen quickly. Things that you've always took for granted that was going to be one way might not be that way the next time. I thought about the times that God has saved my life. Different times He's had His hand on me. You've heard me talk about when, when they flew me out, but you've not heard me talk much about what happened right before that. I was confident. Went out to mow the yard like I'd done hundreds of times before, but that time was different. I knew not that danger was close at hand. I'm telling you today, this world that you're growing up in, there is danger close by. There is evil close by. And the Bible said they knew not that evil was near them. I read you that story about Balaam and Balak. 
uh, they were, uh, uh, Balaam, the Bible says, or Balak rather, uh, was the king of Moab. And you heard me preach last Sunday in Jericho about how the men of Jericho were afraid. And they said there's an army coming out of Egypt and no man's been able to stand before them. The king of Moab saw that same army. And that king of Moab was troubled. And he called for a sorcerer named Balaam. Apparently Balaam was a magician or a sorcerer. Uh, You might say, uh, I guess you could say he was most assuredly a false prophet. Uh, He claimed to be on God's side. He claimed to know the Lord. Uh, But in the New Testament we find that that was not true. That he was a false prophet. But the Bible says that, uh, that the king of Moab sent unto Balaam. And he said, I know that whoever you curse is cursed. And whoever you bless, they're blessed. He said, there is a group of people that's coming up. And, and, and he said, we're not going to be able to stand against 